0: I'm open to Ephesians 5. We're looking at this text of Scripture following God's admonition to us is to walk worthy, right? We are to walk worthy. And that means my manner of life, my daily decisions, need to equal the weightiness of the gospel. Whatever the gospel weighs, Jesus Christ bearing in his body our sin. The punishment, the wrath, the torture that Christ felt that we might be set free from sin, whatever that is equal in value, my life should match that up. I should be matched up in in uh, value to that. And so how do I do that? A few ways. One way is I guard the unity of our church. I'm, I don't want any division to creep in. I don't want any arguments and nothing divisive nothing rebellious but we need to guard and protect the unity that god has created here and hasn't he created a glorious unity i mean i love our church i love our family of believers and and it is absolutely astounding what god has done in our church family But also, God has given us diversity of gifts, and we need to use those. So not only do we guard our unity, but then we use all the various gifts God gives us to pour ourselves into other people, caring for them, ministering in word. Maybe we have a gift of speaking, or in a serving gift. But whatever, we should be doing something for the church family every week. You agree? Can I tell you that by being here, you're doing something? By being here, your very presence is an encouragement and a strength to other people. So just showing up is one of the most basic things that we can do. And then, then God says that part of our walk is growing in maturity. So we're not following every wind of doctrine, being tossed to and fro. And then we're to put off all the old man stuff, all the fleshly stuff, like lying. Put off lying and speak the truth. Put off unrighteous anger. Put on peacemaking. All of these things. We need to put off stealing, but rather labor with our hands to be able to give to those who have need. Put off all the filthy, corrupt communication, all those filthy words, corrupt, vile things, and put on grace-giving words. And above all, forgive one another, because you will get hurt. You will be offended, but we just forgive. We forgive one another as God and Christ has forgiven us. And then in chapter 5, we're to walk in love. Just pouring out sacrificial, unconditional love for one another. Just as Christ has loved us. And then walk in purity. Don't pick up the defilement of the world. You know how our clothes get dirty? And not really dusty, because we're not living in the Middle East, but and we have such paved roads and everything. But our clothes get dirty, we wash them every week, right? So we don't want to pick up the defilement of the world, but just wash ourselves in the water of, the, of God's word, day after day after day. So we want to live lives that are pure. Right? None of the fornication, covetous, oh, unright- oh, just the unrighteousness of this world. It's sickening. And we should have no part of that. And then he says... he last Sunday night as we studied it in verses 8 through 14, we are are to walk in light because we're children of light, not walking in darkness. And we talked about what that means. But today, this morning I want to talk to you about what does it mean to walk circumspectly. So we're going to look at verse 15 for a few minutes, verse 16, and verse 17. That's it. Three verses. And you will find three things that will help you walk circumspectly. In the world today for god's glory let's pray father we're so excited about your word it is truth it is life it is like a well of refreshing it is like water being poured over us cleansing us and filling us and refreshing us and we feel stronger having fed on your word this morning and so father thank you for the holy spirit who not only breathed out these words to the Apostle Paul while he's sitting in prison, to a bunch of believers in Ephesians or in Ephesus. But Father, the very Holy Spirit that breathed out these words, for the believer is in us. And right now we'll take these words, convict and challenge and, and strengthen and build into our lives such things that bring glory to you. And that's what we want. Father, we want you to be glorified in our lives. Thank you for the word. Thank you for our church family. And we love you so much. In Jesus' name, amen. So here it is. In Ephesians 5, verse 15, God says, See then that you walk circumspectly. Not as fools, but as wise. So let's talk about circumspectly. What does it mean to walk circumspectly? He says it very clearly. Verse 15, word for word. See then. Look. Watch then. Be careful. See then that you walk. And again, we know what walk means. Walk means our manner of life. It is all of the hundreds of daily decisions that we make. Literally, from the moment we get up until the moment we go to bed, our life is full of choices and decisions. And we need to watch, be very careful about all of those decisions and choices that we make. That is our walk. Our walk has to be defined a certain way to honor God. It has to be defined circumspectly. Now, in the English, we go back to the Latin for circumspectly. Circum means circle, right? To circle around. And spect means inspect means to look carefully so the word circumspect in the latin means to look all around inspecting with detail so my manner of life should be intentional if you want a word for circumspect let's think intentional i'm looking all around because there's obstacles there's defilement there's things that will cause me to go astray from god's will They are all around. Pitfalls, trials, tribulations, things that'll leap out that I didn't even know were there. I need to look around and observe carefully all of the details of my life, which means I'm not just drifting aimlessly. I'm not like, well, today I'm going to love the Lord and serve the Lord. No thought of what I might endure during the day. And the next thing you know, I'm far off track. So circumspect means to be intentional, to be deliberate, Right, to deliber- to deliberate, to think and reflect on everything that's out there, and then to make the proper and the right choices. In the Greek, the actual Greek text is not circumspect, it's acrobat. It's the Greek word acrobatis. L- literally it means to walk with exactness or precision. God wants an exact and a precise life. He does. He doesn't just want us drifting here and there, doing this and that. He, he is, he's got a very specific course for us to run. And to be circumspect, we need to take time and intellect and discernment and weigh everything out with precision. So here's how I worded it. See that you walk, your manner of life, your daily decisions and choices. Be very careful. Be full of care. And do it with exactness. Now, I'm going to give you three things out of the next three verses that will be part of a circumspect walk. The first one is walking in wisdom. He goes on in the end of verse 15. See then that you walk circumspectly, with precision, with accuracy, not as fools but as wise. You know what a fool says in his heart? A fool says there is no God. So if you want to walk foolishly, you're going to not take God into account. The fool says there is no God. They have no reverence for God, no thought of God, no care for God. A wise walk, you're you're taking the Lord into every decision. Lord, should I watch this? Should I eat this? Should I drink this? Should I go here? Should I say this? Should I do that? You're thinking about the Lord in every single decision. You really are. You're thinking about him day and night. There's not a day that passes that you don't go back to the cross and just revel at it and say, Wow, Lord, you are great, and I am small. You are holy, and and I need help. I need grace, right? That is a wise walk. So a wise walk is one that takes the Lord into account, that, that says, there is a God, and I'm going to meet him face to face and be accountable for my life. Secondly, not only does a fool say in his heart, there is no God, but secondly, a fool has no plan and no direction, right? Listen, every job we have, we're given a plan, a purpose, and a direction. At school, they tell me, Mr. Wita, we are going to have you stand in the classroom, and you're going to teach these topics to bring the child from this point to this next destination, so then they can and eventually get a diploma and eventually find some other work or schooling to do etc but there's a plan there's a destination it would be foolish for me to show up and not have any clue what i'm going to teach or where i'm going to bring my kids by the end of the year none at all as a matter of fact i just gave my students pretest they all had to take a pretest and i said you will fail chances are you will not get any of these questions right but when you take this again at the end of april you will find that you will pass this with ease. And every year I do it. And by April, the end of April, they're taking the post-test, and they're like, matrices? Ah, no problem. Add, subtract, matrices, determinants, discriminants, easy, easy. They have no clue right now. But I'll tell you what, if I didn't have a purpose and a destination, what a fool I'd be. A pilot, a pilot of an airplane. They would be so foolish. Plane loaded with luggage and passengers, and they take off, and they have no idea where they're going. They have no idea how long it will take to get because they don't know, they have no destination, no plan. We would think they are the most foolish person. Before they even get off the runway, what do they have? They've got a detailed plan of exactly what moment they're going to touch down, how much fuel they have, how much weight they have, the wind speed, all. They know everything. Where are the storms? Where, what kind of turbulence are they going to hit? That's wise. Can I say something? I would say most Christians, maybe even in this room, maybe those listening to me, have no plan, no purpose, and no thought about their spiritual life. We plan our jobs, our children's education. We plan our vacations with much more precision than we plan our spiritual walk. Do you know that? We do. To walk in wisdom, not as fools, means we actually have a plan. I'm planning my day out for the Lord. Like, what am I going to do with this day? Am I going to waste these hours? Am I going to spend these hours praying? I mean, do we know what God's values are? Like, what what does he really, does he care about prayer? Does God respond to prayer? Okay, we would say intellectually, absolutely God responds to prayer. If we really believed God responded to prayer do you think we would pray more? Like if it really was a heart conviction that we thought, yep, God does really respond to prayer. Would we not pray more? Do, you, do we know that reading the Bible is helpful, beneficial, profitable, strengthening to our faith, direction for our course? Yes or no? Yeah, we know. But I'll tell you what. It is, it is a wise man that plans his day, a wise woman that plans her day and says, I'm going to give the best and the most of it to the Lord. Right. We're deliberate. We're we're exact. We're precise. A fool says, oh, I'll get around to it. I've got all the time in the world. But really, we don't have all the time in the world. Our time is limited. I've given 86,400 seconds today, and that is it. I'm given 1,440 minutes, and that is it. I mean, then this day is long gone. I can never go back and repeat it. So, and that's my next point, of course, but I don't want to drift into my next point because I'm already drifting. But But the point is, to walk in wisdom, you've got to have a plan and a purpose and a destination or your spiritual life is going to wander all over. Do you know there's a river in Turkey, in the Lycus Valley? It's called the Meander River. Do you know why they call it the Meander River? That's where we get the word meander because it winds through back and forth and it takes its time and it gets through the whole countryside. It's the Meander River. And if I don't have a direction and a purpose and a spiritual goal, I'm going to spend the next 10 years meandering all over the place. And I will never get accomplished what God intends for me to get accomplished. Do you agree? So see then that you walk circumspectly not as fools, but as wise. So let me ask you some questions. Do you plan your days for God? Tomorrow, you get 86,400 seconds. Do you already have a plan kind of for tomorrow for God? Not, not for what you're going to get accomplished, because I know we gotta, it, it's going to take time to get out of bed and to get ready for the day. It's going to take time to... Um, get to work, or whatever things you might be doing, it's going to take time for those who work to be at your job. I mean, that's already just a given. We got, those are times we can use for God's glory, but still, there are times. But the other times, the other amount of space, it is so easy to pick up your phone and, and look at Facebook, and then an hour has gone by. Or, or um, video games. You know, when the video games first came out in the Early 70s, we had the big TV console with Pong, just that white blip that went across slowly or sometimes it went fast. You know, that just entranced me as a child. And then from then on, I just really haven't cared about it. But some people love their video games and they spend hours. I believe a new one is called Fortnite, or maybe it's not that new. But listen, even young people can, can take their time and just devour it with Fortnite and have left no plan for God. So a fool has no plan, no direction, no goal. Can I ask you a question? What is your goal for your life? Given the time that you have, what is your goal for your life when it comes to God? Because someday we'll be in front of him and he's going to give us a little this is your life program. He's going to bring me back to 1967 and say, "This is you as a little baby, and this is when this is you growing up, and this is you as an adult getting saved, and then this is your life as a believer." It's going to be a little general review of our of our life, and right now we have the ability to affect that little review session. Pretty neat, isn't it? We're getting, we're given advanced warning. It's not a, it's not a it's not a pop test. It's not a pop quiz. We're 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 well informed of this. Can I ask you a question? Who do you want to be for God? What kind of man or woman do you want to be? Do you want to be a man like David or Abraham or Moses? Do you want to be a woman like Esther, Ruth, Mary, Martha? What kind of person do you want to be? Because if you don't have any idea... I would say that's foolish. But a wise woman, a wise man says, here's the kind of individual I want to be for Christ. And I will do whatever it takes to get there. I will be like this. I want to. That's my heart's passion. It just irritates me. People are so passionate about sports. The amount of money they can invest in sports and the time they can invest in sports. But when it comes to the things that will matter for eternity... We don't have a lot of time or passion or, or desire. We should be shaken at our core. And, and that's what this text does to me. So, do you have a direction? If you don't have a direction, I would say you're not yet walking circumspectly because how can you be precise if you have no direction? I'm not much of a sail person, pilot. Yeah, piloting a, yeah, a sailor. Yeah, I'm not much of a sailor piloting a ship or anything, but here's what I read. The pilot who does not know what port he is looking for, for him, no wind is the right wind. True? Like, if you don't know what direction you're heading and what port you're going to, then what, even if the right wind should prevail, you have no idea to pick it up. And if you don't have a spiritual direction in your life, where you want your family to be, where you want you to be, then no matter if the right occasion happens and the right thing happens, You just won't catch it. It won't be the right thing for you. And you'll never get to where you want to be. Listen, we've got a plan for everything. Let's have a purpose and a plan in our spiritual life. And then pursue that. You know, secondly, verse 16 says this. Redeeming the time because the days are evil. See then that you walk circumspectly with precision, with accuracy, not as fools, but as wise. Redeeming the time. So secondly, part of a circumspect walk, it's, it's to redeem the time. This idea of redeeming, it literally is the idea of to buy up opportunities. Do you know what the word opportunity means in the Latin? Port, like a port for a ship. Opportunities means towards the port. If you have an opportunity, you are moving towards a destination. Similar to... Walking in wisdom. True? So what you're doing is you are buying up opportunities throughout the day. And why do we want to buy up opportunities throughout the day? Because these days are evil. They are full of evil. The devil is the prince of the power of the air. There's temptations. There's trials in abundance. There's all sorts of sin that we can get ensnared in. It is like we are walking a dangerous path with all sorts of enemies and obstacles that will leap up against us. These are evil days. What we need to do is we need to buy up portions of our day and use them for the glory of God. Now, anytime I buy something, it costs me. That's what I don't like about this world. You get, it costs money to have a car and to buy gas. It costs money to have a house. It costs money to have everything, And I just hate spending money. I can't stand it. But I'll tell you what. Buying up opportunities for the Lord, it is going to cost you something. You are going to have to make some trades. Listen, if you want to buy up or redeem your time for the Lord, it may mean you're going to lose some friendships. Because those friendships are not causing you to redeem the time for God's glory. They are dragging you away from Christ, not towards Christ. You may have no choice but to Change some of those friendships. It may it may mean that you change how the world thinks of you. Like we all have a reputation in the world. And standing up and redeeming the time for Christ may mean that the world will look at you a little different. It could mean it's gonna cost you some money to redeem or to buy up the time for God's glory. It may mean you're going to have to lay aside your music your personal preferences, your social media, your time wasters, and you may say, I'm going to have to get rid of this time waster, and instead buy it back for God's glory and honor. If the church spent as much time in God's word and in prayer as we do in social media... And we took it to heart, the prayer in the Bible. Would that be transforming? Did ancient cultures have time wasters? You bet they did. Oh, every culture. There's nothing new under the sun. Every culture has had time wasters. But never before in human history have we had such the ability to waste time. We don't have to work nearly as hard or as long as previous generations. We Really, we, we, we have it quite easy. A lot of people can work from home now. You don't even have to show up on the site. We, we have programs in school. Get this. You, might, you probably know this, but there are programs in school where I could just record myself on a short video and never have to teach again. The assignment would be, watch my five-minute video I made 10 years ago when I looked better, and you watch this, Online and do your homework. Uh, And if you don't want to watch me, in my math book, my current textbook at school, students, if they miss my lecture, they can go into the electronic book and they can get the exact same lesson taught by any culture, any race, and any language you want. You want somebody to speak it in, in, his, in Spanish to you? Click on that. You get the lesson I just gave in class, but you get it from a Hispanic uh, teacher in, in Spanish language. You don't even need me. It, now I've got all this extra time. What can I do with my extra time? Oh man, I love self. I can spend it on self because I love myself so much. Do you get the idea? So Paul is saying, and God is saying through Paul, buy back portions of time for God's glory. And if you don't, your life will be wasted. Do you know what John Wesley did? The preacher John Wesley, who rode on horseback with his satchel of papers and Bibles and books and stuff. While John, at the end of the day, John Wesley is recorded in in his history that he would get out a piece of paper and a pencil or a pen, and he would write down at the end of the day, how did I spend my day? And he would think about the different hours of the day. And say, I spent these hours on horseback, I spent these hours in prayer, I spent these hours in... Tomorrow, more time in prayer. Or, I'm, I'm going to pray while I'm on horseback. Or, I'm going to... you know, He was able then to adjust the next day based on how he critiqued that day. And then F.B. Meyer heard about it. The great preacher F.B. Meyer, who's written some incredible works, um, commentaries of the Bible... He heard about that, and at the end of the day, he took out a journal, and he wrote down how he spent his day. Listen, when I was living in Israel, I had the privilege, it was required of me as a a worker in Israel, to write out my day, who I spoke to, what I spoke to them about. Um, keep track in a journal. And so I wrote down literally every conversation I had, who I spoke to, what I spoke to them about, how much of the good news I shared with them, things like that, where I worked, you know. And now I go back and I read my journal from that year I was over there, and I literally pick the day and I read it, and I'm like, I can picture that day when I had my devotions by the shores of the Sea of Galilee, and then I went to work, and then I went to class, and I spoke with this person, and then I did this. Wow, I can literally keep track of my whole schedule for that year. I can tell you basically what I did hour per hour. I stopped doing that and I missed that. I should go back. I need to because it kept me focused. I was able to buy back portions of time. Now listen. Melissa, can I get your help? So here is a ruler, tape measure and you want to stand up and grab one end please? Thank you. So that's zero and uh, here is I don't know how long might I live. I'm just going to pick an age. Well, let's say I live to be 84. All right, there you go. I live to be 84. That's this right here. All right, from the time I'm born till 84, oh, nice. You didn't have a brain until you were 20. Well, that's true. (laughs) Yeah, I I didn't have a brain until I was 20. Melissa knows that about me. I'm I'm still working on that part. Um, But let's say I have this much time. But guess where I am right now at 51? Listen, everybody, look at this. At 51, I'm right there. Look at how much of my time has already gone and I cannot redeem it. It is, it is past. I have this much time. Let's say I only lived to 70. I have only this much time left. It, 70 is a good age. Psalm 90 says three score and 10 is the average length of man. Three score and 10, 70 years. If by reason of strength you live 80, bless you, God bless you, But really, that's not that much. Listen, if I live to be 60, that's all I have left for God on earth. If I live to be 55, which could happen, I could get cancer and be dead in a couple years, that is how much time I have left? Wow. If I don't redeem the time, my time is going to be wasted and there's nothing left for Christ. Do you agree? Redeem the time because the days are evil. We need to redeem our time. Harry Ironside was preaching through Ephesians, and he he wrote a commentary on on Ephesians. And he asked his church of five hundred people, "How many of you are reading through the Bible this? You'll get the entire Bible read in one year this year. And out of five hundred people, two raised their hands." reading the Bible, it takes too much time. <laughs> no, it really doesn't. It, really, reading the Bible does not take that much time. Do you know, you can read the, the entire book of Ephesians in a short matter of time. It's only six chapters. You can read Titus over and over, three chapters. Very, very short. Jude, one chapter, you could read that over and over. Isaiah, 66 chapters. That, is, that really isn't that long. You could read all 66 chapters in an hour. And a half. (laughs) Depends on how fast you read. But since I preached through it, I can read it pretty quickly because I already know what's coming next. So I do read it pretty quick. That's the advantage. But but do you see what I'm saying? If we don't redeem our time, we're not walking circumspectly. We're not walking with with precision and with exactness and I know some people say, well, it's not the quantity of time, it's the quality. If I have a really good prayer session and it lasts 30 seconds, it's pretty good. Uh, And that's true. I mean, pray really good for 30 seconds, good for you. But you know what? There is something about quantity as well. The Lord Jesus, what an example, spends all night in prayer. He's God the Son. Why does he need to spend time in prayer? Do you want to know why? He missed his Father. He loved He loves his father, and he just wanted to commune with his father. It's great. Maybe the amount of time we spend in these spiritual disciplines reveals our, our depth of love. I don't know. So there is a cost to buying time back for God's glory. Sometimes I get disgusted because there are so many things I want to do for Christ. I've told most of them too. Like, I want to go to Liberia, Africa, where there's an, a boy's orphan home and a widow's home. And these boys are just tossed out on the street because they have some type of handicap. They're not loved. They're not taken care of. Many of them just die on a regular basis right on the streets. And I want to rescue them, and I want to take care of them. And I want to teach them the good news. And the widows whose maybe husbands have been killed in a civil war, or maybe their husbands have died for various reasons. They just, they need bread, they need food, they need love, they need care. Man, I want to do that. And there's orphans in Haiti I want to be with. There's people in Pakistan I want to be with. But, and then I think, you know what, I've been saved since I was 26, and I just feel like I haven't gotten much done. I'm like, Lord, I want to buy back huge opportunities of time, but... Just, there's so many other things I've got to do with my time and, and there's a constant battle. All right. Well, that's redeeming the time for the days of evil. So walk circumspectly. How? Walk wisely. Have a plan and a purpose and a direction. Don't be foolish, but take God to an account in every decision and have him be every part of your, uh, of your day. And then buy back portions of time. Don't, if you find a time waster, get rid of it. Cut it out. Be drastic. Seriously, cut it out if it's a time waster. Don't let it bring you down at all. And and then thirdly, my last point is verse 17. Therefore, do not be unwise. Do not be foolish. Do not be unwise. But understand what the will of the Lord is. Ah, there it is. Understanding. You know what an exact, precise spiritual walk is? when you know God's will, and then you go and do it. You should know God's will. And then you should, just, you should pursue it with all of your heart. Husbands, do you know what your will is, what God's will is for you? I can tell you, it's coming up in Ephesians 5. You are to love your wives as Christ has loved the church. That is first and foremost your priority, above all things, above your children, above your job, above your hobbies, you are to love your wife as Christ has loved the church. Wives, you are to respect your husbands as the church responds and protects and loves her husband, respects and loves her husband, uh, or her her savior. So these are just, these are known will of God's. You know what it says, 1 Peter 2? Abstain from fleshly, fleshly lusts which war against the soul. There are things... You just are not allowed to do as a Christian. You are forbidden to do them as a Christian. Not out of some legalism, but just you are not to live like the world. You are to be distinct and different. You better know what God's will, God's will is. You better understand it. You know what understanding God's will is going to take? Time. It's going to take time. It's going to take time in God's word. If you don't know the scriptures, you do, how can you know what God's will is? It's not going to show up in the newspaper. Fox News isn't going to tell you. CNN isn't going to tell you. There's no billboard. There's no place you're going to find God's will except in God's word. And if you are not in God's word, you you are not going to know God's will. So it's going to take time and effort and energy. And then it's going to take discipline, which is a hard thing, to pursue that. Like, I know what God's word says for me and, and uh, regarding my life and, and I, need to su- I need to subject my body to physical discipline uh, to, to discipline my body for the glory of God and my mind and then I need to know what, what talents and what things do I need to be an effective shepherd in a church which is why we want to go on, on Tuesday to hear this um, speaking down at Central Seminary because I need it I need it. I know that's what I need in order to accomplish the shepherding ministry that God has called me to. So whatever God has called you, if he's called you to a speaking ministry, get sharp. Sharpen yourselves. Take some time, take some classes, get, get some Bible study going, come to the Monday night thing. You know, if you have a serving gift, well figure out, you know, how to serve and where to serve and who needs it and pursue that. Don't don't expect it to jump into your lap. You gotta initiate, you gotta pursue it, and then go and, and do it. But this is understanding what God's will is. It is to know what do you need to be doing for this time uh, for the church and, and for the last. So we need to understand. God's will. You know the story, and I'm going to close with this. Uh, you know the story of Matthew 13, the parable of the sower, the sower and the seeds? Some goes on the stony ground. But, but some seed that was planted went onto the thorny ground. And Jesus even tells us what this means. The seed went into thorny ground, and the seed grew, but it was choked out by the thorns. And do you know what the thorns were, according to Matthew 13, verse 22? The thorns are two things. The cares of this world choked out the word of God, and the deceitfulness of riches. The whole idea of, I've got to have more, more, more money. I'm not going to be content till I have money. That's deceitful. That's the deceitfulness of riches. And then the cares of this world. They will literally choke out the growth of God's word in your life. So if you want to understand God's will, you're going to have to realize you know, what, what God wants you to do and then realize that even as I'm speaking, the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches will seek to choke that out. And then your circumspect walk is gone. You no longer are walking in wisdom, but you're walking as a fool. No longer are you redeeming the time, but you're wasting the time for selfish pursuits. And then you no longer... Um, you no longer are understanding God's will, but you're in a fog. You have no idea what to do next, and so you just you can't get it accomplished. But remember this. Oh, man, remember this. The days are short. James says our life is like a vapor. We're here one day, we're gone the next. Isaiah 40 says that life is like the grass. It grows up, and then it withers. I feel like we were just shutting the heat off and turning the air conditioning on in this building. And this morning, we turned heat on in the church. And I think it snowed the other day. Wow, that was fast. That was a fast season. And we can't go back and reclaim summer, right? We can't go back. You can't go back and say, oh, I want to buy up time in July. I really wasted that. I, you know what? September's over. Today's the last day. But you know what we can do? We can buy October. We can buy back October and look for opportunities that'll bring us to the destination that God has for us. What kind of spiritual men and women does he want us to be? Man, you better let's pursue that with all of our heart. Man, this should just get us going. And we should just be so excited to say, Lord, you know what? Enough of this. Satan wants me to waste my day and time. He wants me to meander all over and never reach my course. So, 2 Timothy 4. Paul on his deathbed. I mean, he's going to die. His head's going to be chopped off soon. And he's sitting in this prison in Rome, this Mamertine prison probably. And we know he's in prison. And he says this, I have run the race. I have finished the course. Man, that's great to hear, isn't it? I want to be able to look back and say, Lord, I was saved at 26 and I finished the course. I ran the race. It was a little rocky. Yeah, there were a couple of stumbles and timeouts and, and lots of discouragement and a lot of uphill. I mean, Lord, why was it was all uphill? You know? But no, there's a lot of mountain peaks but a lot of valleys. But Lord, I finished the course. I'm faithful. I'm still here. You've been faithful to me. And I'm ending well. So let's do that, right? Let's get that passion. Let's get that fire to walk Circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time for the days are evil. Therefore, understand do not be unwise, but understand what the will of the Lord is. So I'm gonna ask you, do you know God's will for your life? Do you know where you need to be? And do you know how you're gonna get there? Start putting a plan together. How you wanna get there. If it means, how are you gonna learn the Bible? here. Sunday morning, Sunday night, you're learning the Bible. Pray. Wednesday night, we have time to pray. 8.30, we have time to pray. Oh, there's lots of opportunities. You could come Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. That's four worship services. Monday night, Bible study. There's um, oh, so many great, so many things we can do if we just decide yep, this is going to be the, the place that I'm going to walk circumspectly. Here's how I'm going to exactly walk and uh, I'm going to be deliberate about it. Be intentional. Of course, this was the Lord's life. He died on the cross on purpose, that we might be rescued from our sin. By grace, through faith, are we saved. Let's pray. Father, thank you for this text of Scripture. Thank you for the Gospel, which is our salvation. Our sin has been paid in full. It is by faith. Trust in Jesus Christ alone that we're saved. From that moment of salvation, and Father, if there's somebody here today that has never placed their faith in Jesus alone, maybe they're trusting in their religion, rituals, goodness, whatever it might be, I pray that they will abandon that, that they will reject that, and place their faith in Jesus Christ alone. And then from that point on, we're given time. 86,400 seconds per day. And we want to buy back quantities of time for your glory and your honor. This season of time, this season of life. Thank you, Father, for September and what was accomplished in our lives in September. But we look forward to October, a fresh start tomorrow, when we can... Put our time into spiritual things that will count, that will last for eternity, and we will meet you someday in heaven, and you will evaluate and reward us for that which we've done in the body, whether good or worthless. I pray, Father, that October would be set apart for good things, for things that will count for eternity. Thank you for the concert on Friday night coming up at 7 o'clock. What a spiritually refreshing and rewarding time. Thank you for the witnessing we'll do this week, the Bible study at Tim and Ann's home tomorrow night. Thank you for our prayer meetings our times of worship. Thank you for even calls during the week and ministering one to another, talking scripture and giving strength and prayer one to another. These are all things that will count for eternity. And when we invest in those, then you bless and strengthen the church. These days, although evil, will be bought back for your glory, will understand your will, we'll be walking circumspectly as wise men and women, not as fools. So remind us of these things, and thank you, Father, for your mercy and your goodness and your grace. Every single day, you are a great, holy God. We are so glad to be your children. And all God's people said, Amen. Amen. All right, now tonight...